Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Welcome, listeners. This is Divya Parekh, your today's radio show host. And our radio show is Beyond Confidence for Success. We do not stop at where we are. We are always aiming to achieve the next level of greatness. And why not? Because humans are meant to evolve, learn, grow to the next level. So a little bit about myself. I'm your today's show host, Divya Parikh. I'm an internationally known leadership and business relationship coach and speaker. I had the DP Coaching Group where I work with people like you, business owners, leaders, achievers, coaching you to uncover your hidden motivators that allow you to achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals with laser focus and unstoppable confidence. I have also authored one of the best-selling books, which is The Voyage to Your Vision, as well as I've written some books on topics like emotional intelligence, critical thinking, leadership and influence. And I would love to welcome our today's guest, Susie Daggett, and we will be going in Death today, and also in today's day and age, it's important to do that. So, Susie Daggett, what does Susie do? Susie spins real-life advice with ageless wisdom, and as a result, life flows. Your soul and ego balance, your intuition amps up. Susie is a speaker, writer, and intuitive business consultant. She is the author from Ego to Souls and Pearls, 52 Contemplative Insights. And without further ado, I'm going to welcome Susie. Susie, welcome and thank you for being our guest and sharing your wisdom with our audience. So please share about yourself add a little bit more to your bio than what I have given and how did you arrive to this very fascinating subject that we are going to talk about. Well, thank you, Devia, very, very much for um, the opportunity to speak with you and your guests. Um, boy, how I got here is always a winding road, as I think it is for most everybody. Um, when I consult with people, I listen to their stories, and some of them come into a world of knowing something more or wanting to know whatever this something more is, this mystical world that we cannot uh, put always a name to. And they come to it by trauma, drama, or they're born into it. And I was lucky enough to be born into a family that was accepting on one side, on kind of the Spanish side that had more of a mystical um, understanding of life rather than the German Catholic side, which was a little bit more black and white. But in my family, we were allowed to explore and investigate beyond just what religion had to offer us. And we were allowed to ask questions, and uh, many of the people on my mom's side of the family became different kinds of healers. My mom became an astrologer in the late 60s, therefore opening the door for me, who, who had already had some experiences, to say, hmm, what else is there besides this physical world? What else makes us tick? How did we get here? Why are we here? And who are we? So I started investigating that question um, 
and I went through many different avenues, um, uh, some that made kind of no sense, but it, when I look back on it, as when I was a real estate broker, I realized I was working extremely intuitively. I would really, really listen to um, my clients, and I think any anybody who's in that kind of world of sales does this. They listen and they see who is the decision maker and what is it they really, really, really want, not something that is a fairy tale. And then they match the property up to them. And I was very successful with that until at one point I said, I'm just done with this world. I am going to do something in the spiritual realm. And I stood up and I said this with great, you know, authority to the to those who are listening, which means the angelics and, and all of my guides and stuff. And and I had no idea what this was. I just knew that I was intuitive and I could use that. So I started on different paths and I was teaching intuitive classes and, and giving talks to different organizations on intuition. And then all of a sudden I found that I was a publisher and producer of a directory of healing arts practitioners in our town. And I did that for 11 years until I said, okay, it's time for somebody else to have that and I'm going to go somewhere else. And the somewhere else was working my way to finding my voice, which is what I'm doing now on my website, susiedaggett.com. And through the two books I've written, the newest one, From Ego to Soul, where I explain, not really explain, I explore the notion that we are more than just our physical entities and we are um, our soul and perhaps it is our soul that is most important, more than the ego, which takes precedence in almost everybody's life. And so that's my quick bio. Mm. So as you mentioned that you're fortunate to be born into a family that allowed exploration. So that definitely gives some insight to our parents that it's important to let children explore the direction of their life because as they explore the direction of their life, they grow. And that brings up a question to my mind is, but you are fortunate in your family. However, as you were traveling the pathways of life, did you come across any judgments from people as you were exploring the soul and the spiritual side, so to speak of? And what were people's reactions? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Especially on the the very um, German Catholic side of my family. Um, My grandfather, who um, was a wonderful person, but he didn't see that um, I was gaining anything from um, going outside and being in nature talking to God. I needed to be in a church. And I said, but Grandpa, this is where I talk to God. And he just, you know, gave me one of those looks like, this is not good. And I just, I was wise enough to stick to my guns and not be intimidated by um, his lack of um, interest in what I did. And I had other people in both sides of the family who did not have an interest in what I did, and they gave me the look, you know, like, "Mm mm-hmm, where is she going now? She's crazy. And I didn't care because this meant more to me than their judgments, and I just let them have their judgments so that I could have my life. And that's um, that's kind of a spiritual practice. That's being neutral. And when you are neutral with information, um, it bounces off of you. It can't grab hold of you. Right. So how did you arrive at that place? Or were you like that from your childhood? Because usually as humans, we do tend to struggle when especially our loved ones are not believing in us. And that is you're always looking for approval from your loved ones because you love them. And a portion of a part of our soul, a part of our being is looking for their approval and for their love. And sometimes 
when you are a child or even when you're a young person, it's hard to differentiate that love is always there, even if approval is not there. So did you have any struggles with that? Um, I, If I did, I, I was um, naive enough not to recognize it. And when my children were born, I, um, both my husband and I gave them the freedom to think on their own, which they do now, that does not mean that they believe what I believe. They can understand it, and they can give me the yes, we got it, Mom, thing. Um, but we allow them to go their own way because it's our feeling that everybody gets where they're going to go no matter what. And so if somebody is going to be in a in a constricted um, ego-based box, which is kind of how I describe it, rather than an open, heart-sourced soul, that's where they are. This is, some would explain it as their karma. This is where they are. And if they find a way to grow, whatever that means for them, it has nothing to do with you. It has something to do with them. And somehow I was... I don't know, wise enough to understand that, even though it didn't feel like that as a grown-up or as a young girl. I just, you know, was bouncing my way through life and completely goofy and, you know, talked all the time, as I do now. And um, I, I don't know that, I mean, I had an experience, and if you want, I'll tell you the experience I had when I was 12. That may help a little bit. Definitely. Go for it. Okay, so when I was 12 and I was attending a very small Catholic school, um, I was, for some reason, by myself on a very hot, sunny day. This is a high desert of Southern California. And out on the scratchy dirt grass, they considered it grass. It was just crabgrass. And I was by myself, and I got this information. This was in a nanosecond, and it was a voice that came to me not a vision, but a voice. I had no idea who it was or where it came from or what it was intended to be, but the voice said, everything you are learning is not for you. And I went, whoa, don't know what that means, but okay then. And I jumped up and I ran and joined all my friends. And I didn't understand it. I didn't tell it to anybody but I intuitively understood it a couple days later when I was um, following the nuns down a hallway, and I heard one of them speaking to the other saying, you know, talking about what they needed to tell us because this is what the priest wanted them to tell us. And I recognized in that moment as a young child, and I did not know what this meant, but I recognized that the nuns were going to be giving us information. They did not believe. Ah, it was about belief systems. And the belief systems I was being taught were not for me. They were they were good. There was nothing wrong with them. I learned a lot, but I could go beyond it. And that gave me permission, along with my family of origin, to grow beyond what we see and think is real. This little bag of bones that we carry around in our cars and our houses and our bicycles and our jobs are very temporary. There's something that's ethereal and real and continues throughout time, which is a concept that's hard for us to understand, and that is the soul. And I just, I just don't understand the soul. I don't understand the ego all the way but I do like to make my concepts of it available and people find them easy to understand and not threatening. Mm-hmm. This is a good place where we can segue. Susie, in your thinking, what is ego and what is soul? <laughs> well, um, people say, okay, so where is the soul? And I come back and I say, so where is the ego? Because we all can identify with our ego. We can all identify those ego moments. Yet we can't place where it physically is in our body. 
So I make it kind of simple and I say, okay, let's just take the ego and put it on the analytical left side of the brain because it wants to think. That's what it does. And it wants you to be secure and safe. That's its main job in this lifetime is to keep you secure. Thus, it loves to keep you boxed in because if it keeps you boxed in, it's ego thinking you are secure. It knows the rules. Can't doesn't want to go outside those rules. And then I say, since I don't know where the soul lives in our body either, I'm just going to place it in the creative, intuitive right side of our brain, which is more of a circle. It's more open. It's going to go in and look at like, oh, let's look here. Let's look there. Let's see what's happening over here. And it's not living in the fear that the ego lives in. It's living in a loved base style, which is the main, main uh, world of the soul. The soul and source, who I call, people call it God or the universe or all that is, whatever you want to call it. I call it source energy. Source is only love. L-O-V-E, love. Source is only love. So anything that comes from love, all those kindness factors, all the um, compassion, collaboration, interconnections, um, heartfelt moments, those are all in the soul side. The Mm. ego side is all based in fear, F-E-A-R. And those are the ones that are constrictive, reactive, I'm right, you're wrong, this is my turf, don't touch it. So you can start putting them in those two terms, and then you can start feeling, which is a soul world, the soul feels, the ego thinks, your intuition tells you things nanoseconds all the time, and always faster than the than the uh, ego can even think of it. Like if you meet somebody and you um, walk away from them, but you don't know why, you have no logical reason why this person who's perfectly presentable and looks like a good person to talk to, why would you walk away and not get close to them? Your soul is giving you a a bunch of information that says, not for you. Walk away. You don't need to know why. Maybe you'll find out why in a couple weeks or a couple months or never. But you don't need to know why. You need to trust your soul and have courage with the information to follow the information you're given. And if you do, your life will completely, utterly change, and you'll be more open, you'll live with ease, you'll um, find ways that things happen that you never thought could happen, never in a million years, because things open for you, because you're in that circular, creative, open world, rather than, you know, constricted, boxed-in world. Mm-hmm. So if I understand correctly, what you're saying is that ego comes from the fear, that it almost sounds as if uh, me as human beings, ego, if I may have your permission and move it to the brain, is it's coming from amygdala. When we talk about fear, it is yes, our lizard. Yes. It is our lizard and, and brain. And fear is good. Did we lose each other? No, I'm right here. I wasn't sure if you were done or not. Okay, Um, I'm sorry, but yes, the amygdala is yes, because you come from a more scientific point of view and far more research and information than I do. I'm not a psychologist. I don't do a lot of research. I just ask my creative side, my soul side, to help me speak and bring wisdom in, and um, and it and she does. I call her Claire, and she comes from love. And I call my ego side Posey, 
because she's pissy, as in the pee for posy. And yes, the amygdala is is the place where it's our, our ancient fear to flight or fight. And we need that. We need the ego. But do we need it to run our lives? It is finding the right balance between the survival and thriving because once ego takes over the survival mechanism, then rather than thriving, you're just living your life. You're passing it by. You are not living in the moment. And the ego going back to amygdala, which is our reptilian brain, which we have had from ages and ages, we have been wired to live with fear. We have been wired to assess our situations and what's going around and respond or react together. Yet at the same time, nature has provided us with the wonderful gift of rational brain, which is the outermost layer of the brain, as as you were talking about, which looks at the situation and can look at it rationally and supersede fear. It can think. It takes some programming. It takes some time to do it, but it can be done. And I love what you said, that anything that comes from love is soul. And that is so true, whether you are talking about a mother's love for a child or a love of a friend for a friend or love for a human for a human, regardless or having a compassion for your pets or for animals or having compassion for anyone for that matter. So if we speak the language of love, then love is love. There is no definition. There is no demarcation, and there is no boundaries to it. So that's beautiful. Right, and this, I that. Yes, and this is something that we as humans have a really hard time understanding that love is beyond the Hallmark love and the Valentine love. Love <laughs> is many, many, many qualities. It's you and I speaking together and being um, conscious and courteous of each other's thoughts. That's love. If we were talking from a fear-based thing, one of us would be trying to interrupt the other to make our point and get it across. Yes, I hear you, but I'm going to tell you this. You know, and your voice goes very different. <clears throat> you can hear that in people, and you can see it in people. If you're at a meeting with somebody and they're coming from a point of openness, conscious awareness, and love, which you wouldn't call it necessarily love in a board meeting, but you'd watch them and you'd see they're sitting up straight, they're paying deep attention, they're being extremely courteous, they're being neutral, and there, there's a different shininess pattern around them. It's mm, like, it's, okay, I have information and you have yours. Let's share. It's a different form of expression of love. So love is, love as, I, I, as you said, Susie, it does not have to be a hallmark or Valentine's kind of love. Love can be expressed and assume different forms. It can metamorph in simple ways. It could just be a person sees somebody who's in an accident and stops their car. And actually, I'll share that. That had happened to me. And my husband were driving back from another city, coming back to our home, and all of a sudden, our car stalled. And a stranger out of nowhere, and especially in today's day and age, you don't expect strangers to stop by and help you out. We were quite further from mm-hmm. our home. She stopped by, gave us a smile and said, can I give you a ride to your home? And to me, in that moment, it was an experience with love. It's an experience of mm-hmm. kindness. And so that is a form of expression that I think love can take. And she dropped oh, us off to her home. And it was just fascinating to me that somebody could be this kind. And I've been very fortunate and blessed to have experienced kindness 
and paid forward as well. And that's another thing that, you know, when we are talking about whether you're living from a place of ego or from a place of love. So when you're talking about from a place of soul, then you're not looking for being right. And it's possible if somebody has opinion, it's okay that uh, they're entitled to their opinion rather than prove them wrong. You just tell them, hey, it's great, you're entitled to your opinion, good for you, and you move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've got it. And you say you were blessed in this. I think that because of the way you live your life, you continue to live that, and then you get those loving connections of somebody who will stop and help you rather than having a, oh, man, why is this happening? You know, everything is screwed up in my life. That sort of attitude would stop anybody from helping you. But Mm -hmm. you stopped and you go, man, I wonder what we can do and how are we going to get out of this predicament? But you were open to the experience that this was not anything wrong. It just happened and it will be solved. But you come at it with a place of acceptance and um, conscious um, awareness that it's okay rather than a place of, oh, man, and then you get it all into the thing, this is going to cost me money and this is all wrong and somebody's screwing around with me. There is such a difference in those two fields of thought that, of course, you um, almost bring in that stranger to help you rather than force them away because you wouldn't want to talk to them anyway because they might be bad people. There's a very big difference in that. So you're you're not necessarily blessed. You are open to multiple possibilities of living a good life. That's very different. Definitely. And it seems we may have a caller who may be interested in talking. This is the area code 832. And let us know if you have any questions or if you have any feedback for us. Your line's open. And That's right. We not, want. And if you do not have any feedback, that is great too. It's absolutely fine. So continuing, sometimes the listeners just want to listen in. That is absolutely mm-hmm. cool. And we are almost at the half time of the show, so I will be sharing the few upcoming shows, and we will continue right back on. And thank you, listeners, for joining in. Really appreciate you joining in. And again, the call-in number is 646-716-9397. And if you have a question, raise your hand and we will dial you in. And here I would like to share a few upcoming shows. So tomorrow, February 17th at 8 p.m., There is a show about your best life with Jen Jeffy and fitness guru Tina D. Lamps of BeFit. So please join us for the show and find out about how you can create a best life for yourself and about the fitness you can bring in in your routine daily lives. And another show that is upcoming is on February 18th, which is called Bro Science. What do we know about our overall nutrition with Colin Magnini? And another show that I'd like to share about is on February 22nd at 1 p.m. Why Coaching Matters in Organizations. Now, that's the show that I will be doing with my esteemed colleague, Sakina Gordon-Jones. And she is an author, speaker, coach, and strategy expert. She has had a phenomenal career. So please do make a point to join us. It is at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And coming back to our show... So we have talked about what is the definition of ego, what is the definition of soul. 
looking from ego that it comes from a place of fear. Susie, in your experience, how does ego go about making decisions? <laughs> oh, it is it is such a wonderful way it does it because it will stop you in your tracks. Many times, um, the simplest explanation is sometimes you're walking down the aisle and to get married, and you know in your heart and soul this is the wrong thing to do. It may not be that the man is bad or the woman is bad or anything like that. It's just wrong for you. But can you have the courage to turn around and flee, like in the movies, or you mostly, and this is how the ego makes the decision for you, your mind starts whirling around with, I can't, I shouldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't. The presents are here, my bridesmaids, bridegrooms are here, my parents are here, his parents are here, her parents are here, everybody's here, the party, the caterer, and all that goes through your head so quickly that it it overshadows what your soul is telling you and probably told you from the very beginning when you got engaged or whatever. No, this is not right. But you were you were um, wanting something. So the ego wants where the soul needs. So the ego may have wanted a partner or said, oh, I'm 35, I, I want to get married, otherwise it's too late. The ego might, that's what the ego would say. The soul might have said, but you need to wait. You need to not do this. And you cannot listen to the, the soul because the ego is a huge broadcast antenna and the soul is a quiet, quiet whisper. And the ego makes decisions because of cultural familial um, dictates. So you go through high school and you don't know what you want to do. You go through college and your parents say, well, you know, your uncle was a doctor, your father was a doctor, your mother was a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. You have no interest in being a doctor, but what do you do? You follow their dictates and go to medical school and then six, ten years down the road you realize I really love to help people. I really love to be a healer, but it's not in the medical world. It's in an XYZ world. And if you have the courage, you will start investigating from your soul's point of view what you need to do, and you might find yourself a missionary in Africa or something. Um, These are kind of wild tales, but they do happen. And when people can learn to quiet themselves enough to hear their soul, they can then balance that with the wants of the ego. Because the soul is here to learn. The ego is here to experience what it wants only. And it's temporary. It's very immediate gratification. Where the soul is long-term gratification. What makes you happy? Debia, what makes you happy? What turns you on? What makes your soul sing and your heart be happy? So I'm going to ask you that question. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. where I come from, what makes my soul happy is when I'm making a difference, when I'm making a positive impact, when I'm at peace with myself. Because the, one of the key things that I find joy and pleasure in my life is if I'm walking down a natural trail, just seeing how the nature lives in peace. So, for example, if you take a look at, and I usually take several of my clients for walking. We have got walking coaching sessions, mm-hmm. mentoring sessions, and uh, something to share. One of my young clients in their 20s, they said, oh, you know, this guy is this, that girl is this. And all complaints, how everybody was out to get him. And the politics was so bad and corporate world. And then I asked him to 
after I listened to him, I asked him to just take a few deep breaths and said, as we walk, just for five minutes, we are going to walk quietly, and I want you to observe our surroundings. And at the end of five minutes, I asked him, what did you find that was exactly similar in our surroundings and what did you find that was different in our surroundings? He was quiet for a couple of minutes and then he said, all the trees, the type of plants, bushes, shrubs, everything is different and yet they're living together. And I said, that's very mm-hmm. human being. That's where we are lacking. And we can all live peacefully together. We can still retain our individuality. And we can still be a community. And that changed his perspective. He went back with openness. He was open to listening to what his colleagues were saying. And of course, you are going to come across people who are going to backstab you or who are going to be a cacti because that's what the nature is. So if you're in a desert and if you brush against a cacti, you are going to get hurt. So it's it's about that awareness. It's about recognizing who you're dealing with, accept, accepting them as they are. And it's yes. about building that relationship with yourself where you can be at peace, where you can find that harmony and once you're at peace with yourself then it's about finding the balance and finding the joy and love with others yeah yeah you sound like you could have written my book just as well because it's all of that and more because when you get out of the the me versus you and um, get into how can we solve this together it's an extremely different world and if our world and I'm talking about our larger world, not just in your state or in your community or in the United States or wherever. If our world could come to that um, thought, we would be operating from a soul world, and my goodness, we would change everything. It would change everything because we would not we would not be trying to protect our turf. And again, that is what the ego is so good at, and you've got to give it credit. You don't want to put it away and try and get rid of it. You want to give it credit for um, doing its job, and that is to to keep you safe. And when it keeps you safe, it keeps your turf safe. And if you have, again, the courage to step out of that box and to look and say, how else can I do this? How can I be proactive rather than reactive, because reactive gets you absolutely nowhere. And we all, I mean, I'm reactive many times a day, and then I try and step back and take a breath and say, that was not right. That that didn't get me anywhere. That didn't help the situation. How can I do it differently? And I have a wonderful coach, Nancy Shapiro, and she was able to help me <clears throat> get to... Um, understanding more of my soul and ego as I was going through a time of of like whining, major whining and confusion about what I was going to do when I grew up. And I was in my 60s then. I'm still in my 60s, but I was in my early 60s. And I was still whining about, you know, this whole thing. And she said, so why don't you name your soul and name your ego? And bingo, that was the key for me, I wouldn't say it's key for everybody, but it was key for me to recognize how I make decisions. And I'll give you a quick example. Um, I named my my ego Posy, and she is um, yellow-bellied, which means she does not like confrontation at all. She would just shrink, move away, go away, go hide in the closet if there's confrontation to be had. Where Claire, my soul is like creatively open and says, well, how can we solve this? 
so I had a situation with a renter and she was doing some inappropriate um, actions and so I needed to let her go and I needed to address this with her honestly yet neutrally. And so I invited Claire in to take over the conversation. And I do this in my writing too. If I'm stuck on something, I say, "Okay, Claire, I need I need some clarity here. I need some I need these words to come together well." And bingo, they do. But in the instance where I would have been shrinking um, with Posey, Claire took over and gave me <clears throat> um, a stance that was open yet solid and gave me the words that said, I'm sorry, this is not working. You did this. It's not appropriate. You will need to move. And this gal could say nothing because she, A, knew it was true, and B, there was nothing I was giving her that was confrontational. It was not to hurt her. It was just to change the situation. And she knew it. And so she packed her bags and left. Um, And that was because Claire, who is one of my guides as my soul, was so helpful in giving me the right attitude and the right words and the right loving persistence to come through. So that loving persistence is very important to understand. It's not like pushing your way through. It's like saying, this is the way it is, and you're doing it in a calm voice, and you're doing it with um, love and kindness, yet you're still getting your way, but you're not pushing it. It's kind of an odd sort of thing to understand, but that comes from the soul. That comes from the side of love rather than the side of distrust and fear of the ego. Mm-hmm. Because it was not about her. It was about her action. So what you did was you separated out the person from the action, and when you did that, you created a safe space for her to understand. Yes. And she and kind of melted in an interesting way, so I just watched it. But I wasn't reactive in my watching. I wasn't saying, see, nanny, nanny, you're wrong. I didn't do any of that because that would have been putting me on the ego side where you asked about how does the ego make decisions, that would be a way that the ego would come in and and say, see, I'm right and you're wrong. It was none of that. It was not that. Mm -hmm. And one quote that comes to my mind is fear. One is face everything and rise, which is this is a quote given by Zig Ziglar. And the second way he says is either you can face everything and rise or you can forget everything and run. So you did not forget. You (laughs) faced it and you separated ego from the soul. And when you acted from a place of love, you were absolutely fine and things turned out for the well. So that actually includes how does your soul make decisions. That's a perfect example for that. Mhm, mhm, and they're everywhere they're all the time in in a discussion with your spouse, if you're in conflict over something, and this is going to happen in every marriage, I think, and in every relationship, there's going to be a conflict, but it can be a I'm right, you're wrong conflict, or it can be a I wonder how we can solve this, so you go into a softness, you go into an awareness, you go into um, a different stance than you had yesterday when you went into the I'm right, you're wrong, and bully for me, aren't I smart? Um, you go into that different stance, and then when when he or she sees that different stance, they go, well, we're playing with a new set of rules. I wonder what it is. And they will become cooperative and open as well. But it mm-hmm. has to be, you have to do it from the inside. You have to do it, you have to clear your mind and your spirit to do it. You can't do it and say, see, I'm still smarter than you afterwards. That's all ego. That's all ego. It's like when a friend gets sick and you take them food and you put it on Facebook, see how good I am, I took so-and-so food, that's totally ego. If a friend gets sick and you take them food, you can still post it on, on Facebook and you said, would you like to help so-and-so? You don't say, I did this. 
you know, can we do this to help this person? It's a whole different thing. And it comes from soul awareness of you, of how you are as a person and how you can assist in helping others because those of us in the world that we're in, you and I and any coach or anybody who does consulting or anybody who's a friend or a family member, we're all in this together to make our lives better. But we can only start with ourselves and we cannot ever force anybody to think like we do. It'll mm-hmm. never work. This does not and the work. Key is, we can be an example of love, and that's all we can be. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, it's about creating a space where you can share what you're doing. So, for example, as you said, that, yes, I took the lunch for our loved one. I took the lunch for my friend. Now, so, for example, if you're trying to start a kindness chain. So, for example, tomorrow is the National Random Kindness Act Day. So if you're trying to promote that, then you can say, I did this. What are your plans for doing a kind act this week? And when you are coming from a place of love, then it's not about promoting yourself or tooting your horn. All it is is that can you join me in this good cause? It's the same thing about fundraising. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. knowing the it's inclusive. You're including everybody. Mm-hmm. Where the ego will be inclusive. So you just think of polar opposites, right? I mean, you can put together a list, and I, I suggest this when I do talks and stuff. I, I put up a list if I'm doing a PowerPoint or we do it on the board or something, and we talk about what is ego and what is fear. And I mean, what is ego and what is love? And um, everybody has a different attribute for love and a different attribute for fear. And then they start seeing that um, kindness is love because love, let's go back to what love is. Love is one of those ethereal things that you can't really put your finger on. The only one who really knows what love is is source energy, the, the, the creator of all because that's where it comes from. That's where it is and that's where it comes from, is from source. And so source gives us this loving kindness that's in our hearts. But when you say the word love to somebody, you don't have to say love. You can just say, okay, I'm going to be kind today or I'm going to be conscientious today or I'm going to be aware today. Or my word this morning when I woke up was remember now, I don't really know what the word remember means for me today, but at some point in my consciousness as I go through the day, I will say, ah, that's what it is. And it's it's a, a point of open allowing that I'm going to remember something good. I'm not going to remember, I don't want to remember how to be in ego because we know that one very well. I want to remember how to be in soul because that's the one we're practicing at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we have uh, covered quite a few things that how ego controls our thoughts and how we can recognize the importance of the soul. The, mm-hmm. if, if you recognize the importance of the soul, as you said, Susie, life changes, environment changes, we change, people around us change. And we can bring a change in the world because so many of us are out there. And listeners, I'm sure even you, any one of you, more than so us, because you have taken the time to sit and listen to us. It's easy for Susie and I to sit here and talk, but to sit there and listen to us. I give you kudos. I acknowledge you for listening. So you're already on the pathway of making a difference. And Mm -hmm. if we bring awareness to our daily routines, we can definitely make a difference. Now, we have talked about the importance of the soul, and we've also talked about the balance between ego and love. The balance is possible. However, what are some good ways to go about it, Susie? 
Well, I just started a practice that for me is a good way because, again, we we do listen more to the ego consistently than we listen to the soul um, because the soul is still kind of foreign territory where the ego is um, is very, very familiar to all of us. Um, and so I've started a, a yes or no practice and um, because I'm I'm very attuned to hearing my soul whispers, but I still need to remind myself all the time. Um, I, I will ask a question um, like, these are simple things. Should I work with that person or that person? And if I put put a person's name out there, like say I, I would might say, um, shall I contact Divya for a radio show? Yes, immediately, boom. Um, and if I get the no, I'll go, well, I wonder why. But then you let it go. You have to let it go um, because there's not an energetic connection between the two of us. And I would never know that. Only my soul knows that. Um, when I go for a walk, and I, I live in an area where we have lots of different walking paths, and I, I let, I, I, before I go, I say, okay, I'm going for a walk. And then an idea of the path to go on floats across my mind. For me, it comes in to my left ear, floats across, and out my right. That's just my way of doing it. Everybody's different. When I do a class on awareness and stuff, I lead everybody through how they hear their intuition. Do they see it, feel it, hear it, think it? You know, there's many different ways. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different way. And I want them to be attuned to their unique way, not to my way. My way has nothing to do with anything except me. So um, I will ask this yes or no question or shall I go this way or that way? And I get the way to go. Now, when I go that way, does that mean that something remarkable is going to happen when I walk that way? Absolutely not. Does it mean something unremarkable is going to happen that way? Maybe. But the thing is, I am listening. I am practicing. And then I give great thanks, especially on the parking lot thing. I do the parking lot thing all the time or the parking place thing, and I always, almost always get my parking place if I follow the guidance. And then I say, that not the magic, but the way to get more of your soul guidance is to say thank you, thank you, thank you. At the end of a meeting where you met somebody that you really wanted to meet, whether it was a random occurrence, um, at the end of a um, a talk that you give, at the end of the radio show that you participate in, you say thank you, thank you, thank you, because you're being guided by your soul to do what you do. If you were guided by your ego, it would be a whole different conversation and you just hang up and go on. But when you're in soul time and you're doing a yes or no, you always follow it up with thank you, thank you, thank you. And you want to hear what those no's, you want to hear those no's, but you don't need to know why. That's the whole key with this. You will not know why on your soul. You will want to know why from your ego's point of view, but your soul doesn't care about the why. They just care that you're listening. Because there's no ego attached, right? It does not need acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they and what they do is they go, ah, listen, Divya's listening. Yay, yay, she's listening. She's paying attention. She loves us as much as we love her. Let's give her more. And they do that. <laughs> so we are almost at the top of the hour. And Susie, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, and simple strategies for our listeners. So if you were to share with our listeners one simple or maybe two simple strategies for them to walk away and that they can apply in their lives, what would you say? Um, Well, if they are... Um, ready, um, they could start the yes or no and just start listening. And that requires them to find their way to be quiet, whatever that is. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's just taking a walk like you do, Divya, like I do. 
maybe it's um, riding their horse or riding their bike or going to the gym, whatever. Find a way to be quiet, and then you switch from your very busy, chatty left brain to your quiet right brain. Every time you do something that switches your brain, you're going to be able to listen. Mm. And then the second thing is to always be kind to yourself and others. This is practice. This is life, earth practice. This is for your soul that's going to continue on and on and on. And if you're kind to yourself, that emanates out to others and uh, your world will change. Oh, fantastic. And I'm going to open up the line. Yes. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Do you have any questions or thoughts for us? Um, yeah, I was just browsing MySpace and I've seen this come up. Somebody posted it. And I'm, I'm confused about what you mean about not healing the mother wound. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't hear all that. I'm, I'm kind of, what I'm, I don't understand what wound you're talking about. This is a radio show, and and we are talking about ego and soul. Well, how much do you think that ego should play a part in how you deal with other things and other people? Because a part of ego is not wanting to look like a fool, I guess you could say, right? Right. Well, that yeah. would be your well, ego speak absolutely. Your soul would not care if you're a fool or not as long as you're doing it from a point of love rather than a point of trying to make yourself um, uh, stand out as um, somebody who knows it all. Yeah, I'm just like, is there anything I can do to kind of keep my ego in check? (laughs) Practice, practice. You can buy my book, that would be a start. (laughs) I don't have a job I'm You have to start understanding what your soul needs Because soul is all about your life lessons And what your ego wants And your ego wants what it wants And it wants to be right And it wants to keep you safe And when you start understanding the differences between those two You can start hearing your soul more well, I've been trying to understand it. Like when I ask my parents, they don't take me seriously. But it, it has caused well, some problems at home. Yeah, it does. It does because but, people will not. Once you start changing, people will not understand why you're changing, and you may need to get a different group of friends, and you may need to just stay very neutral around your family. Let them have their well, opinion. It's okay. The main thing that kind of triggers the instant ego, I guess, would be we have a cat. We have a cat in our house. So, um, like, I don't understand how to deal with that because it's not like I could talk to it. But, like, just just the other day, it happened again. And then I I understand at the end of it that I probably didn't act the way that I should. But it's like all my decision-making gets washed away. Well, keep keep your um, keep your inner work to yourself for a while until you're very confident that, and you don't need to share it. You don't need to make a big deal out of it. You can just go mm-hmm and do the mm-hmm. Okay, okay? So, that's being so neutral. I, I should I should should I just avoid the cat? <laughs> I'm not sure if you should or not. This is too well, hard to answer on the radio. If you yeah. Maybe the cat is talking to you. Well, it's like he's mocking me. Like, he likes to sit on top of the fridge a lot. And usually when I come home from school, I, I like to have a pudding. And all the time, the cat is sitting on top of the fridge, and he has a really long tail. And when I open the pudding, it's like he needs to dip his tail in my pudding. Which well, is okay. it's like he's trying 
communicate with you. It's fine. Have a conversation with your cat, but keep it to yourself. And ask your cat, what do you need to tell me? Are you part of my soul journey? And just go into it and see what you get. But keep all this to yourself. Journal it. I I have tried that, but the little bastard just purrs. (laughs) And he's loving you. Well, I don't. He's trying to mock me. I I have been able to kind of assert myself a little bit, kind of. Um, one time I I had this CD, um, the best of the '90s cinema edition, and it had uh, the theme song to Mortal Kombat. So I just put on the Mortal Kombat song and I uppercut my cat right off the fridge. But he just kind of looked at me a little weird and he jumped right back on top of the fridge. <laughs> well. Play with your cat and love him, and then find some sort of a group of people that you can share your experiences with, but keep most of your inner work to yourself. This is part of the key. You don't want to broadcast, hey, I'm changing, I'm on my spiritual path and all this, and you need to listen to me. That's all ego. Your spiritual path is yours alone, only yours, nobody else's. I hope that helps. I've been trying to do that, but it's, like, we just live in a small apartment, so it's kind of hard to hide myself. And my, my dad is, he's not hes not atheist, but he's not chicken. So, but he doesn't seem to like the spiritual side. So anytime I try you don't, to get You don't need to tell him anything. Well, he says that he can, he can, um, he can sense a change in me. Like you said, you ain't yes, eating a So I don't. So, like, I don't know what to do because I can't hide it from him. But when he knows that I'm on a spiritual path, he calls me cutie-fruity. Well, you can say, oh, that's nice, Dad. And my dad did a little bit of that to me for a long, long time. And then finally he said, you know what? We were having this discussion about sin. I said, Dad, I just don't believe it's sin. And he said, you know what? I don't either. And that was that was an incredible moment to share with my dad because but it took years. But I didn't push yeah. you can't push. Don't push, just say, It's okay, Dad. It's okay, Dad. And he'll get tired of calling you, you know, a woo woo person or something and he'll just let it go. But don't don't well, give him ammunition. Well, I try to take it in tongue in cheek. Like I like I don't I don't at least I don't think that I'm obvious, but it if it doesn't seem to stop him, just like every second or third day he calls me tooty fruity. Well, and that's I don't good uh, to say yes, I am. Um, well, I don't know if that would really work, but he never gives the cat any problems when it's dipping his tail in my pudding. He just seems to pick on me. <laughs> well, that's his path, and your path is also to listen to the resistance he's having because that's a lot of the world has that resistance. But that doesn't mean you need to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just don't... Thank you for calling. Um, Thank you. We are reaching at the top... We are past the top of the hour, so I really appreciate you calling and uh, you can Uh join us in our show. Thank you, Gigia, for this opportunity. I really like speaking with you. Yeah, listeners, uh, thank you for calling in. I know several of you may have other questions. However, we are past top of the hour, so we will be taking your leave fairly shortly. So thank you again very much. And I would like to take this moment and thank our guests for joining us and sharing her wisdom with us. And Susie, if anybody needed to reach you, would you like to share your contact information? Yes, my website is um, susiedaggett.com. That's S-U-Z-I-E-D-A-G-G-E-T-T. And I think it's on the radio link that you have up. And um, I have a lot of blogs and articles, and you can join my email list and um, ask me questions that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, listeners, 
if you want to reach me or Susie, Susie has already given her website address. Please feel free to reach her. Knowing Susie, she'll definitely respond to you. And if you feel that you have any other questions that need to be answered, feel free to reach me at contact at deviaparek.com. And thank you again, Susie, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for joining us and for your questions. Until we meet next time. Wonderful, beautiful, kind day to you. Oh, thank you. And I wish you the same. And listeners, until next time, be powerful and be kind since this is the Kindness Week. Take care for now.